tonight on Whiskey Waffle. I think we were overwhelmingly whelmed. This is Glenn Levitt making a whiskey for single malt drinkers. It's like someone's stuck a really stinky foot in, in an ass. Drunk Ted knew what he was doing. That's this episode on Whiskey Waffle, the podcast. I mean, cast. Good evening, Alexander. Good or, evening, Nicholas. Who is this Alexander? No one knows who that is. Good evening, Ted. It's me, Ted. Yes, and good evening, Wafflers. Welcome along to episode 31 of Whiskey Waffle. 31, gosh. I know. How time flies. We're pretty much at our age, Ted. Mm. Pretty much at our age. Yes. Which um, is 31 for you, isn't it, Ted? No, it isn't. It's 32. <laughs> I keep I keep forgetting. I keep vacillating between the two. But Turns out, once you're past 30, that's when you lose track of your age. Yeah. I genuinely thought that I was 31 and my colleague here was 32 the other day mm. until my wife disabused me. No, yeah. I've got the exact same thing muddled up. I could not remember if I was 31 or 32. Turns yeah. out it was 32. Obviously, the memory just goes. I know, I know. Age. How old are you, dear Wafflers? No, actually, that's... Uh, uh, that's not the best question we've ever we've ever sent out there. Ah, but how old is your whiskey? Ah, yes, um, twelve years I think is the case. The one in the glass at the moment, which um, mm. yeah, considerably longer. We we never muddle up a twelve year old with eleven year old, do we? Nope, never. No, it's because no one releases eleven year old whiskey. <laughs> yeah, no. Anyway, so we've got another episode of whiskey waffle plan for you. We've got some um, yeah, some interesting banter um, and some some talk about distillation coming up for you yes no we we decided to do something a bit more educational this time and talk about a thing that happens when you heat up alcohol yes and how many times you can do that indeed indeed so um let's not uh let's not diddly dally too much but the thing that we do need to cover is last episode where our waffle awards yes indeed we did have a good chat about those about our awards you can listen to all of our award winners in the last episode but since then we've heard what other people thought were their best whiskies of 20 yes we did put 2017 that's not last year what is it 2018 no 2019 2020 2020 bloody hell it's 2020 already it's been a blur but we did say can dear dear waffles could you please let us know and some of you did and that's really exciting. We do enjoy that. Now, shall I shall I kick off with our uh, favourite imaginary friend of the podcast? Yeah, our most imaginary of our favourite friends. Yes. Right, so, Cleon, imaginary mm. friend of the podcast and regular fan favourite, has Indeed. been recognised out in the real world as <laughs> Are You That Cleon from Whiskey Waffle Podcast, <laughs> which is a truly humbling and great moment for us. For him, you mean? Uh, well, for him. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, it, it shows... It shows fame by association, and that's kind of cool. Yep. All right. So Cleon had one for each of the awards, didn't he? Yes, he did. Right, from the top. So we've got the Isle of the Drammed. That is the Heart Grove 2. Now, that is the uh, Heartwood and Belgrove collab and the second edition of that. Mm. And it's pretty bloody good. Yeah, I have a bottle of that now, too. I, actually, now, we've, we've had both. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm still in Camp 1. Camp 1? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Drams Down Under, that's the Bakery Hill Doublewood Cask Strength. The Tartan Slipper is the Rest and Be Thankful Lecheg. So Rest and Be Thankful is a independent mm. uh, bottler. And yeah, that would be good, wouldn't it? Pocket Pleaser is the Ardbeg Wee Beastie. Now, that have not had it yet. We need to get onto that. Five, five-year-old Ardbeg, is mm. it a scam? Hmm. Mm. Remains to be seen in at least in our eyes. And... Uh, Second last for Cleon, the Weird Ski Award is the Archie Rose Single Mold. Now that's an yeah, interesting. Yeah, it one. has it has confused a few people. So yeah. yeah, I'm not I'm not sure I'd go like overboard on the Weird Ski element of it, but yeah. it was. He needs to drink weirder whiskey. It was interesting, mm. and his Golden Dram for this year or last year, I should say. Now depends when you're listening. Could be listening in the far distant future. You're like one of our uh, cockroach overlords. Yep. Just Rob's going back through for his um, 15th listen through. and yep. uh, Yeah. That's it. It is the Cask Whisperer Octomore. Ooh. Named after Jim McEwen, who called himself the Cask Whisperer. Yeah, true. Or maybe it's a special edition of Octomore. I don't I'm know. I'm guessing so. Yeah. Um, there we go. So we've just got a couple other uh, special mentions from some of our Patreons. Um, David Lye. Has mentioned that some of his top drams for the year were the Archie Rose San Diego Heritage Rye mm. Malt, that which would have been interesting. interesting to, absolutely, it would have been great to try, but we we missed that one. And he's also mentioned the Whippersnapper Wheat Whiskey. Okay, okay. Whippersnapper Wheat. Wheat. Mm. Bit lighter, grainier. Yeah, perhaps. In taste, perhaps. and uh, and Tea Trout. Tea Trout. Terence, the robot of ultimate ultimate destruction. 
Um, he's got some favorites as well. Um, no categories, but he's mentioned that he was impressed with the Heartwood. Everyone's impressed with Heartwood, but his pick was the something completely different. Oh, yes. The bourbon one. Um, he's also mentioned uh, Belgrove Peated Rye, which is a bit hard to beat. Um, he's also mentioned a bourbon. <gasps> bourbon? Sounds like him, doesn't it? A wild turkey 17-year-old. It's probably the same as any other bourbon. <laughs> Tastes like bourbon, yeah. Yep. No, no, no. We we were very we were very impressed with a uh, Four Roses recently. Mm. So. so I'm sure that um, it tastes like good bourbon. And uh, shout out to the regulars, Ben Riak, 10, Kalela 12, and Russell's Reserve Single Barrel and Buffalo Russell's Trace. Reserve. I've had some of that before. And... Indeed. It tastes like bourbon, I seem to remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, very good. So uh, it's not too late. Send us through any top whiskeys of the year, but... Um, it's starting to get into 2021. It's time to discover some new ones. Let's go! Let's get discovering. You realise we record intros first, or at least that's what we let the people at home believe. The Waffle. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. Hit it! <laughs> Not what you meant? No, didn't mean that. No. Nick, what are we talking about? Well, Ted and I found ourselves trying some Ockentoshan Three Wood. And Ted, what is special about Ockentoshan compared to uh, other Scottish distilleries? Um, it's very dark and does it, does it not use caramel colouring? Uh, yes, but that's not different to most Scottish distilleries. Okay. <laughs> um, any Diageo one is in the same boat. Yep. What's the other thing? The other thing is that it is not distilled once. Mm, well, I mean, malt. technically they are, but they generally then go <laughs> past the one-th distillation to the twith distillation. Yes. But this one, unlike most uh, Scottish distilleries, goes to a third distillation. It's mm. distilled thrice like its Irish counterparts. So it got us thinking, uh, a waffle topic that we can talk about is distillation how many times? How many times do I distill my beer? So let us begin with a... Quick, succinct summary from my colleague Ted. What is distillation and how does it make whiskey? I'll give you 30 seconds. Go. Right, okay. So, distillation. It's an ancient art, but in the in a nutshell, you take... 20 seconds. A, you take a pot, <laughs> a metal pot, you put alcohol in there. You heat it up, the alcohol evaporates out of the liquid, you take that alcohol, stick it in again... 10 seconds. Uh, evaporate it again, which concentrates the alcohol... Basically, it's a it's a method for concentrating alcohol from a liquid. Not too bad, Ted. Not too shabby. So it works on the basis of science. Whoa. Yes, that um, was terrible. But <laughs> it's because it's because <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. My it's voice cracked, <laughs> um, and that's because of science. Yes. No, it's because the boiling point of alcohol is lower than the boiling point of water, so therefore the alcohol boils off first. And yes. You condense that back to a liquid. You've got stronger alcohol. In a, in a different universe, it could be that the boiling point of water was higher than the boiling point of alcohol, and so you'd boil all the water off and just be left with a big <laughs> vat of alcohol. In, indeed, in indeed. That, that is not how it works. <laughs> not how it works. Why, why don't we just do it once, though? Why do we have to do it multiple times? Well, there's a number of reasons. Hmm. Partly, it's, it's, a, it's sort of a thing about um, the total amount of alcohol that you can capture out of the product. So... Hmm. Let's take a quick step back even before this. What do, If we're making whiskey, what are we starting with to make it? Um, That's probably a good place to start. We need a wash, which is essentially a beer. Yes. So this is our zero-earth distillation. Yes. We haven't actually done any distillation no, We yet. just fermented some um, grain sugars and uh, turned them into a really crude beer. Yes. And so what, where did we get to on a percentage with that? About six and a half. Six and a half percent. So you've got quite a large volume of liquid with... Yep. Six and a half percent alcohol in it. Now, when you dist- distill that, you're essentially leaving most of the watery part of the beer behind. And so what that does is concentrates it. Mm. Um, only as far as about 28, 30 percent. Yes, it's just due to physical limitations on what you can do in one d- distillation. But we, we should say this is depending on what sort of still you have. Mm. We're talking about pot stills. Yes. Which are very basic and crude and yet wonderful devices. Essentially just a big old pot with... It's a big kettle. Yeah, no fancy stuff at all. If you were to use a column still, a continuous still, you actually have lots of mini distillations going on all the way up the column. Like we're just talking about sort of bulk things here like big lots of liquid and big lots of alcohol. But within those, actually, there's lots of different products in there. You've got ethanol, methanol. Propanol, um, butanol. Yeah. 
Shannon Knoll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's just sort of swimming up the column saying, what about me? <laughs> yes. Uh, that, all those things have different um, boiling points and evaporate off at different times and also uh, have different densities too. The molecules have different densities. Some are heavier than others. Um, and so they... Uh, condense again at different points and so with a column still what you have is basically you have like a big vertical tube with basically it's like an is it like an apartment building and there's a lift that goes up through the middle <laughs> and different people stop at different floors to get off yeah so I think that's quite a good analogy yeah actually. yeah not bad at all so you can actually then all the way up the column I'm um, going to visit all the different people by the time you get to the penthouse you've actually distilled it a bunch of times but it yeah, still only yeah, counts that, as one distillation yeah the guy who lives up in the uh, penthouse is a right bastard though and mm. no one really wants to know them but it also leaves a lot of the flavour on the bottom floors mm. and as a single malt drinkers we want flavour we do we love flavour so pot stills is the way to go no apartment buildings just one big fat house okay so back to back to the uh, story so once distillation, so that that will concentrate our alcohol, but it will bring some uh, water with it still. Mm, quite um, a lot. And it will bring some other stuff. It will like bring, like there's quite sort a bit of sulfates. copper, copper sulfate or sulfates that mm. get drawn through. Um, That's and it. And basically, it smells and tastes a bit like ass. It does. Yeah, it's not very nice. They call it the low wines when you've done a one distillation through a pot still. If it's like someone's stuck a really stinky foot in, in an ass <laughs> and then rubbed it around a bit. And another then... another succinct summary. So <laughs> we distill it twice because once it's gone through, this 30% um, low wines have been distilled a second time. We get something um, in the range of 65 70%. Yes, and that that's a good good point. I will I will jump jump back just quickly um, onto the one distilled things because you as mentioned before we don't like we you don't see any whiskies that are distilled once no it's just sort of like Pa's special moonshine mm-hmm. um, made down the back shed yep. but there are some things that are actually distilled once so shochu which is a Japanese rice um, spirit that um, gets distilled once in a sort of a special Japanese mm. style let still. me guess do you shot shochu I think you probably do shot shochu. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I, I would say that shochu, I've not tasted it, but I, I'd say it probably has quite a complex um, flavor because you get, as we mentioned, you get a lot of those different compounds that haven't been got rid of yet. Yeah. Ha- have you tried shochu? Please if so, describe. yeah, get onto a carrot pigeon. Um, but, but anyway. Back, back, but yes, we're not we're not shochu. Shochu shite-faced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, we're not. We are whiskey yeah. waffle, and most whiskeys are distilled twice. Mm. Um, and in actual fact, it's probably the most boring one to talk about because we've talked about twice distilled. It goes into a barrel. Yeah. You age it. Yeah. So what? Yeah. Why? Why is that alcohol sort of sixty, seventy percent alcohol percentage good? Well, you've got rid of a lot of the water and a lot of the undesirable flavors. You've got a pure spirit that's got enough flavor of sort of the grain. But it's also got rid of enough of the impure stuff that is not going to really taste that good. It's just a happy middle ground. Yeah. And so then when we stick it in a barrel at about... 63%. 63%. That's enough alcohol as well for it to reduce in strength over a number of years while mm. it's aging to come out at a... Yeah, yeah a ready to drink. 50-something. Yeah, percent. unless you're in Tasmania, in which case it goes up. Yep. <laughs> but. 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 So, so I suppose in terms of... In terms of regions that produce twice distilled whiskey, so it's most regions: Scotland, Australia, Australia, America. Japan. It's it's really it's really is the, it's the, the standard. Yeah, we talk about this as if triple distillation is also a thing. We do mm. because it is. It is. It is. Well, yes, we've had some Ockintosh in our glass, but they're based on someone else, right? Yes, the Irish. The Irish are, are famously known for triple distilling. But but why triple distill? Like it works after two times. Like why triple mm. distill? Well, so they they claim that it creates a purer, lighter, cleaner drinking spirit. I suppose that makes sense, doesn't it? Like you've you've purified it somewhat, going from the low wines at thirty percent through to the actual new make spirit at 65, 70. So do it again. It come off at what eighty percent? Yeah, I reckon. I reckon that's 80, probably 85? about right. Yeah, and you're right. Like what it will do is remove. Some of the the compounds and molecules and things that are still in that sort of twice distilled spirit. Yeah, they call it the the heavy molecules, the ones yeah. that just don't quite make it out of the still if you go through too many Fla- times. Flavor compounds, the oily ones. Yeah. So what? And then 
what you get left with at that even higher percentage is this much cleaner, refined spirit. And so you, you're going to get a lot more... Well, there's, there's a couple of different things that there, actually. The higher alcohol percentage and the higher purity of alcohol in there is going to react a lot more strongly with the wood. Mm. Um, and you're also, because it is a less, I suppose, flavorful spirit in itself, you're also going to get a lot more cask influence coming into the spirit yeah potentially some of some of those some of those other molecules within the spirit itself are not going to be there to kind of mm, give these things, other yeah. notes so yep and um the irish have done it very successfully for a number of years and ocantoshan as well um they get a lot of really heavy sherry influences um because of the spirit that they create i suppose look at one of the world's most popular um sort of cheap widely available uh whiskies jamisons mm-hmm. jamos I think one of the reasons I think that Jamos is just such a good... I mean, it's not... We're not talking about in terms of, like, great whiskies here. We're talking about a just solid, cheap whiskey that goes down easily. And goes down easy is the point because it's it's got that really light, soft, sort of easily... Mm. Um, it's a it, sort of yeah. It is a point that my colleague and I differ slightly. I'm not a fan of Jamos at all. I think it's a bit rubbish. But Ted Ted thinks it's a nice nice easy drinker. But it's interesting. Like there's not many people out there doing triple distilled outside of Ireland. Um, we've got our uh, Hazelburn down in in Campbelltown, um, in Tasmania. We've got our, our very own Mackey. Yep. Um, doing that. But gosh, name another one. Uh, I think I, I Helly's Road had a, in my opinion, unsuccessful go. Yeah, at, at that wasn't distilled. great. No, but um. But um, there's got to be a reason that people don't do it more often. I, I think the reason is not so much that the, the flavor. I think it's it's just fifty percent extra effort. Mm. And you you have losses in there as well mm. because this is something we didn't mention that every time you distill a spirit, so you start you start with let's let's just use a a, a scale model for example. Right. Let's say we start with around I don't know twenty uh, liters of I'll start with a hundred liters. Hundred liters. Yep. We start with a hundred liters of wash. Wash. Yep. That, Distill that once. Yeah, that'll go down to twenty liters. Oof, oof, eighty liters mm. of spir- of like liquid just gone yep. like that. Yeah, and you do it again, that'll go down to four liters. Oh, oh my goodness! So that that's even worse. So if we if we distilled that four liters again, yeah, it'll probably it's it's not quite as great a uh, uh, loss, but it'll go down to about two liters. <sighs> so we've started off with to to triple distill a hundred liters of wash without like adding more in to boost the levels up, we've ended up with two litres yep. of new make spirit. But bear in mind, it's a higher percentage, so you can add more water to it to bring yes, it back down again. that is correct as well. But you still, you won't recoup everything. Definitely not. So, Ooh. yeah. And so I guess the only logical question, Ted, is uh, can we go a fourth time? You bloody well bet you can. <laughs> Who's doing that? That is the geniuses over at Brookladdie Distillery on Isla. <laughs> I actually discovered this because not because of any whiskey reason, but because um, James May was um, powering a, a sports car with the quadruple distilled <laughs> spirit over there. That's, that's how powerful it is. It's, yeah. what, it's probably coming off the still at about 95%. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You're getting to that sort of high ethanol <laughs> fuel stage. They call it X4 and it's ridiculous. I've never tried it. I, t- my colleagues never tried I've it. I've never tried it. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. I've seen uh, it. I probably should have tried it. I'd be fascinated because um, they, they age this stuff as well, but God knows what it'd be like. I reckon it would work the barrels really hard. I reckon so. I think it's one of those ones that you probably just need a, a drop in your tongue and mm. then <laughs> sort of God shines out of the heavens. and like. I think the Jim McEwen quote is, um, one sip, you start telling the truth. Two sips, you go blind. Three sips, you live forever. Yeah. Something like that, but uh, I think I butchered that quote, but there you go. <laughs> but all it takes now, someone's just going to come out with five times distilled. They serve it in like little eyedroppers because that's all they have left. Yeah, we were talking about this the other night, actually, that like, so what's the theoretical maximum that you can go before? There's just, yeah. yeah. It's, it's got a plateau at some point, but I mean, you, yeah, I don't think you'll ever quite reach the maximum, but I mean, that's what column stills do. Why well, back to column stills, Ted. Mm. The more the further up the column you go, the the more pure it gets towards the top. Yeah, that's that's where you sort of you start getting your um just like uh medical grade pure yeah, yeah. sort of high strength and out. No one wants to drink that. Well, I mean, bums <laughs> under bridges might. Yeah, true, true. There you go. There you go. Let us let us know if yes if you have had a once distilled thing. What's your favourite? Uh, twice distilled thing. 
do you have an opinion on three three distillations? And have, have you, you had tried the X four? Yeah, no. Nigella has a much far subtler but more sexual way with her words. <laughs> um, the whiskey. Oh, I tell you what, I love the curves on this. What, what? Very you love fine the curves, curves on what? This bottle. Oh right, okay. Uh, I see. I see. Oh, very sort of very curvy hips. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's time for a review. It is. It is. Um, it's, it's that bottle that I was complimenting. Ted is eyeing off the bottle. He's enjoying it. Nicholas, yes. what is this bottle? You own it. I do. It was I a, gave it to you. But yeah, you, birthday so, present from my colleague. Yes, I'd been eyeing this one off and I thought, well, what better way to try it than give it to my friend? So this is a bottle from Glenlivet. Glenlivet is a distillery we've been sort of a bit up and down with. We used to really quite adore. Let's, let's jump into our history of Glenlivet for yes. a moment. The 12-year-old we thought was absolutely atrocious. We hated it completely until they brought out the genius product that was the Founders Reserve, which <laughs> revolutionized our lives and made us see whiskey in an entirely new way. And we just, nothing was ever quite as good as that. Uh, uh, oh, no, Ted, wait. Ted um, I think you may be getting slightly mixed up with this. Oh, no, wait, I am. <laughs> Probably reverse those two viewpoints. No, we did used to like the 12-year-old. We used to think of it as an all-reliable. You used to be able to get it for $50 Australian. It was amazing. Oh, $50 Those Australian. Those were was... the days. Now, we've only rarely tried the 15-year-old, but it made us happy. We've tried one that we got from Duty Free, which was a um, one in a, in a dark-colored box, but it was it was quite lovely. They yes, called it the Master the, Distillers Reserve Master or something. Master Distillers Reserve. It had, a, um, it had a barrel top on it. Mm. I've also enjoyed a bottle of the 18-year-old and was given a bottle of the 21-year-old on the night before my wedding by my Yeah, good, good blokes who did that. Indeed. So we, we've enjoyed a lot of them. Um, but we've, we've also, we've also not, not to uh, forget the um, Glenn Levitt, um the car strength ones. Um, the Nadras. Nadras, yes. yes. We've had the Nadras, yeah. Um, the Oloroso and the just the um, 15-year-old bourbon. bourbon cask. Yes. Yep. Um, but then they, they went down a different path. And they, they're still continuing down this path, to be fair. Um, it's all about marketing these days. And the, the Founders Reserve was their first attempt, which, like, to be fair, the box was pretty and the whiskey was, was less so. The, 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 blue, the blue of the box was quite nice. It was, mm. a, it was alluring. It was attractive at first. Yeah, it, yeah. It, made, it made you feel calm. and like, We all got ready, bottles, didn't we? Ready to accept. Everyone your, was getting a bottle yeah. back then. Oh god! Everyone was trying it. Yeah, see, there, I think I think the thing is that this was sort of at the time when Nazas were really actually starting to enter the market as a thing. I re- I remember it was around this time that we were still writing articles, sort of explaining mm. like what this these Naz things were. Yeah, what is the- this whiskey that doesn't have a number on the front? No number. Yeah, and we were we were a bit, I guess we were skeptical, but we went in with an open mind. Then we tried it. Yes. Vastly, see, and I, I, I was about to say vastly underwhelmed, but I, th- I think I can't even say that. I think we were overwhelmingly whelmed. <laughs> it wasn't great, mm. but it also wasn't awful. It was no. just meh. Yeah, liquid just, meh. Mm. So I'm quite excited that they brought a number back for this particular bottle. Indeed, this is a twelve-year-old, uh, um, but not not the twelve-year-old. No, not the twelve-year-old. This is a limited edition, which means it's probably like several billion bottles. But yeah, yeah, and they probably will run it for several years. Um, yes, but this is the Glenlivet twelve-year-old illicit still. Ah, so this was made illegally. Yes, it was. It's by mm. a splinter group from the <laughs> uh, Glenlivet Distillery, who uh, sort of. Ran off into the bushes beside the uh, the distillery, built a uh, a still using a gumboot, and yes, produced this little number. No, they didn't actually. If it was set out by a group of people trying to recreate the twelve year old, I actually think that this is the the best effort that they've done. Yeah. So this this is um a bit of the gump the marketing gump on the bottle says the original stories a limited edition series. So. Judging by this, I don't reckon this is going to be the last sort of thing we see. If it's the original stories, I reckon we'll see more. But I mean, it's basically a name, like illicit still, like it's it's just yeah, a it's name a of, they've come up with. It's a bit of marketing gump. Illicit still, sure, it's a cool no, name. Actually, actually, one one little thing that might be a slight difference is here. This limited edition malt has not been chill filtered, giving you an authentic taste of our history. So does does that imply that? Glenlivet's are usually chill filtered. I'm sure most Scottish whiskies that are under 
46 percent are always chill filtered mm. well this one isn't it 46 percent no. you would expect something maybe like 40 percent 43 percent generally that's what the um sort of um special blend of it releases are yeah yeah but it's not. What is it? It's 48%. 48%. Okay, so this has got a little bit of extra something something going on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is probably, well, maybe it's meant to be like what they produced back in the day, sort of a higher percentage yeah. spirit. Yeah, it's. I think it's got a bit of right in underneath there. Oh, you've got mm. those sort of lighter fruity flavors. Right in underneath there, there's a little bit of sort of sulfury Mm. matchy note it's just that it's hint of very funk, subtle it? but it's kind of like this umami sort of bass note to it yeah that it, it could well be that chill filtering it's still got some of that sort of uh some of those oils and heavier compounds yeah. kicking about now we should say that um uh chill filtration will avoid the old cloudy whiskey so anything released under 46 percent will be slightly cloudy if you don't chill filter or sort of leave it to sit for ages and let gravity do the job but when you bottle at 48%, you don't have to worry about that. It's not going to go cloudy. And I think we're reaping the rewards here. Like, I mean, there's an obvious massive hit of vanilla on the nose. Yeah, absolutely. But there's this orange peel flavor alongside that. Mm, bit of bit of sort of uh, light spices, maybe like cardamom. Toffee and... as well. I mean, it's hinting even at cinnamon, which is surprising. I, I don't mind it, but... Let's have a sip. Yeah, nice, nice and uh, citrusy on the palate. The body, it's full bodied. It is, which um, it's fun to say from a Glenlivet these days. Mm. You actually feel like you're getting a bit of value out there. It's got quite it's a warm. Sort of, it's long. It's got a bitterish finish to it. Mm. Quite astringent. Yeah, it's not sweet. And it's quite yeah, quite long on the finish as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's there is the oak there. Alongside, yeah, slight, slight bit of tannin. It's not, it's not the oakiest whiskey. I think I might, oh, just on the nose as well, like a bit of coriander seed as well. Like, mm. It is that lighter, more herbally, florally, spacey kind of thing. Yeah, but what we're discovering is there's, there's a lot to discover. Yes, absolutely. It's bit, it's sort of, it isn't just like your, your general sort of bog standard light. Yeah, you know what it is. Flowering. This is this is Glenlivet making a whiskey for single malt drinkers. Mm, I think that's yes. what. Like, obviously, there's marketing going on. There's some bean counter going like, uh, you know, we're doing quite well with this founders reserve that's going out to the masses, but we're starting to lose our core fan base. Let's uh, let's stick something out to appease them. Um, consider me appeased. Indeed. Now, I did mention the curves on the bottle before. It is a very nice shaped bottle. I think it's meant to look a bit like one of the stills. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the the little onion necky. Yeah, it's got a little onion neck and it's got very broad shoulders mm. um, below the neck as well. And yeah, it kind of flattens out a bit. It's good. Um, is it, it's interesting. So like people associate probably the most, the most, what's the most famous single malt brand in the world? Uh, Glenfiddich. Glenfiddich. But back in the day... Like back a century or so ago, Glenfiddich wasn't the thing. It was no. Glenlivet. A lot of distilleries actually called themselves something or other Glenlivet. Yeah. Because, like that, that was sort of like a lot of the whiskey was made in the Glenlivet Valley. And it was like Band Aid or, or Hoover, yeah. like a brand that was synonymous with the product. Like it wasn't whiskey; it was Glenlivet. Yeah. So you would call it, yeah, your distillery Glenlivet, and then it would say, "Hmm, this is a." This is a product of quality. There's some proof of that, actually, if you go to uh, Abelard Distillery, because all of their signs, just the old old signs, say Abelard Glenlivet mm. or Glenlivet Abelard. And um, the reason they've been allowed to stay that way is because the same owner owns Glenlivet oh, and yes. Abelard. Who does own Glenlivet? It was Pernod Ricard. Pernod Ricard, I think. I, I have a feeling it's one of those sorts yeah. of ones. Mm. But there we go, the illicit still. Would we recommend this for Asengamont? Friendly fans. I certainly would. And it's, look, it's a pretty reasonable price as well. Yep. I think it's a whole lot of whiskey for a pretty decent hit to the wallet. So right. if you've fallen out of love with a Glenlivet, maybe your way back in is illegally. Indeed. Now Forbidden love. This, we must give this a number. Oh, yes. Um, I am going to give it a very 7. solid three. All right. Um, yeah, yeah. A mark out of five. Yeah. Can I go past three? Can I? I'm tempted to, but I'm not. I'm going to hang back on the three range, but I think it's a very commendable three. Oh, indeed. I think it. I think this is a like really solid three whiskey. It's yep. decent price, decent flavour, 
48 percent yeah and it's it's made me love glenlivet again which is kudos and so our patreon followers who are drinking buddies and above can look out for this one in the post uh yeah, to coincide a, with the release taste before you go out and rush your way into buying one i'd recommend that this is probably one that you might consider mm. adding to your collection though see what you think Keep it. Keep a uh, eye out for it. An ear. Yeah, a nose. A nose. Hear it sort of crying gently on the shelf. <laughs> drink me. Buy me. <laughs> buy me. Drink me. Mystery whiskey. Nick. Yes. We have, and whiskey. We have a mystery whiskey. And mystery whiskey. Yeah, we got a mystery whiskey sent in from a loyal listener and Twitter friend. Mark. Pensacola, I want to say, but that's not quite it. It's Whiskey Mark. It's that's, Whiskey Mark. That's, that's who I know him as. Um, he sent us a bottle of Bal Blair 2003. It's also not Bal Blair. This is an Aussie mystery dram. We are now going to hear from the uh, past, the future, one of those. Um, so let's call upon future Nick and Ted to explain what it is. <laughs> Right, this whiskey is the Starward 10th anniversary release. A vatting of many barrels, including red wine casks. So, back to past Nick and Ted to try and figure it out. Okay, so the thing the thing with mystery drams is we always make ourselves look slightly like tits to start <laughs> with. Although, in saying that, we did get the last one. Again, in saying that, we do look like tits. <laughs> so... I can state with confidence that this is a... It is not a bourbon cask. Not a bourbon cask? It is quite dark. Ah, but then again, Maker's Mark is quite dark. Yeah, but that, that's a an actual bourbon. <laughs> that's been in virgin oak. Whereas once you take the Maker's Mark out of it, it's not nearly going to give it this colour. Okay. Aha, uh-huh, this is whiskey. Yeah. It's not rum, I think. No, no, it's, it's a wine cask, isn't it? Are you getting soapiness? No, I'm getting tannin. I'm getting heaps and heaps of tannin. Mm. I think there's a hint of butteriness in there as well. Yeah, okay. So, well, I was leaning towards red wine, but buttery Chardonnays. <laughs> it could be a Cardi cask. Is this a Hillwood? Cardi <laughs> cask? No, it's not dark enough to be a Hillwood. No, no. Where do we think this is from? Australia. <laughs> if it wasn't confirmed by the sticker on the bottle, it's confirmed by my nose. Aussie mystery dram. That probably suggests Australia. <laughs> it's a bit of a giveaway. Right. Okay. Aussie mystery jam. I'm going to... Uh, well, I mean, it, it could be from a distiller I've never tried before, but... Mm. All right. Shall we Shall we just try drinking some of this? I think we should probably try drinking some of this. Ooh, a very eucalyptus-y palate. Yeah. Like Tim Boone. Or it's, is, it's, is it Dobson-y? It's, no, it's it's no, it's a bit more. I yeah, I still getting tannins, mm. like a lot of barrel influence. We're, th- of, we're thinking red winey. Yeah, I'm thinking red winey. Mm. I would be inclined to agree. Yeah, although it could be a cardi cast. Let's not forget that. Mm. So, is it nutty enough to be a cardi cask? Uh, mm. The cardi casts always have a degree of weird, mm. whereas this is, it's, it's quite it's, it's quite, fairly light. Mm. No, light, light, I should say light in body or density. It's sort of, it's not a thick, oily one. It's sort of a it's zippy, not viscous, it's zippy, not syrupy. Yeah, but it, 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 it's not necessarily light in flavour. I think it, it, I think it's quite wide across the palate. Um, lots of of that sort of wood influence. I'm definitely liking the wine theory though. It's got that sort of yeah, slightly dry, um, spicy. And yeah, I'm. I'm struggling to think of many Tassie distilleries that really get this sort of flavour. I mean, like we mentioned Hillwood. Maybe maybe Hillwood is one, but I don't think this is a Hillwood. But it, it could be something like that. But it's not a Lark. It's not an Overeem. It's not a Solomon's Cove by any stretch of the imagination. It's more likely to be, I think, something from the mainland. Yeah, something hot and I, dry. I mentioned Tim Boone. It could I be a Victorian. I was feeling like Starwood. Maybe, yeah, something like it? a Starwood or Tim Boone. Something Victorian is exactly yeah. where my mind was going. It's not a Western Australian because it's not a fake attempt at bourbon. No, it's not. And, um, you know, the, the decent Western Australian stuff is actually proper pork cask and things like that. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're exaggerating here, but... 
So we think something Victorian. Yeah, I mean, Star Wars, Star Wars is as good bet as any, I think. Mm. Because, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of their Nova, their, um, mm. their red wine cask. Because, I mean, I'm thinking of this because of the wine thing. It's not like a Solera or anything like that. Oh, so. well, I, think, I think that's probably about the best we're going to do. I don't think we're going to be able to... Narrow it down can, any further than that. Yeah, yeah it's like we a, can just... Okay, shall we've I... Got, we've got an unread email. Let me open said email. Yeah. Let me reveal it to you. Oh, my God! No, I haven't actually read it yet. <laughs> I, I sent this... The sample I sent was from... Oh, my God! Uh, it's, it's the Star Wars 10th anniversary release! It's... Oh, the 10th anniversary one. Yeah, we tried this before, haven't we? But it was a whiskey live. It was very hazy. Okay, he says, um, I'll let you Google the full release details. But it was Star Wars. It was Star Wars. I, I thought it was Star Wars, and it was Star Wars. And it was like, yes. Well, yeah. And now we'll find out. The 10th anniversary was all pork casks, and all yeah. my red wine theory is, is, is going, to, going to pot. The 10th anniversary. Let's go. Oh, interesting fact. Hmm. This year marks the tenth anniversary of the Starwood Distillery. It, that was when whatever this, that was published. Yeah. Whenever that was published. Um, uh, Starwood's tenth anniversary bottling is a special release matured in eight different barrel types. Oh, okay, right. I bet one of them is red wine at least. Limited to only twenty-eight barrels. Yeah. Including red wine, fortified wine, and more. Okay, so there's a bunch of stuff. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Yes, got Starwood. Nice. There we go. But the important question is, do we like it, Ted? I do, actually. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm the same. Um, I think it's got enough robustness to it. Yeah. It's not just this like really thin, dry sort of thing. No, not at all. It's like the interface between a timber floor and a carpet floor. What, that little spongy um, rubber stuff? No, 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 not not that. <laughs> but it's like it's like got a soft fuzziness on one hand, but it's also got this sort of um, spicy woodiness on the yeah. other. Yeah, no, I think it's good. Is it as good as the Aperacask original one that they did, which is now their what is it, Solera or something? I call it. Mm. I mean, we've got a very soft spot for that original yeah. Starwood release. Um, yes, I'm just quite still quite chuffed that we uh, got down to sort of something like Starwood. It yeah. was Starwood. Yes. Horizontal. That's basically the state we're at. <laughs> I mean, we will be in a minute mm. once once this recording is over. Yeah, yeah. No one can truly appreciate the um the speed in which um the embrace happens after the microphones <laughs> turn off. Yeah. <laughs> waffle, waffle, waffling with. Today on Waffling With, we are down in southern Tasmania on the Tasman Peninsula, talking with Bill McHenry of McHenry Distillery. Welcome, Bill. Thanks, guys. Yeah, no, thank you very much for having us in a little slice of Scotland down here. The weather is very appropriate today. Um, it's cold and wet and raining, and yesterday we had snow. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of fun, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, you're not, not originally from um, the Tasman Peninsula or even in Tasmania in general. What brought you down to Tassie to start distilling? You mentioned it, the weather. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, look, to make whiskey, and whiskey requires water. And uh, although I grew up in Adelaide, which I still love and you know enjoy going back to, it just doesn't have reliable quality water, which we have here. Mm, in abundance on days like today. Um, and well, speaking of uh, water, there's a particular feature of um, this property that makes it yeah pretty special in terms of uh, distilling distilling whiskey. Yeah, it's funny. Um, so the Tasman Peninsula sort of dips into the Southern Ocean. It sort of puts its toe into the Southern Ocean, and it's a it's it's a massive uh, peninsula made of dolerite. And so the dolerite, as a rock, it's hard to imagine this, but it basically forms a, a massive aquifer. All the cracks and fissures between all the stones that make up the dolerite mountain that we were on the side of holds a lot of water. And of course, because the water coming off the Southern Ocean is is, is falling through some of the cleanest air in the world. It deposits some of the best quality water that you can probably find on the planet. Mm. So that that certainly makes this place special. Yeah, and that that comes up up through the uh, through the uh, ground in the property and out, yeah. out in the springs. Yeah. So I showed you earlier on, mm. and it's something I love to show people. To be honest, is the springs. So having grown up in Adelaide, the driest state in the driest country in, in the world, uh, when you have a water source on your property, you cherish it, you know, it's, it's gold. 
And so, uh, and I think what's remarkable even is just to watch it flow out of the mountain. Mm. You can literally sit there, you guys have seen it, it's just coming up, bubbling out of the ground, flowing silently, quietly, every day, every minute. Constantly. Yeah. Um, well, every if you are going on the Scottish model, every every sort of good Scottish distillery worth its salt needs to have a romantically sort of a romantic uh, water source mm. um, that it makes its uh, whiskey from. But so it, it's really something about the sense of place here. That yeah, yeah. I, I, I it's sort of commonly been used as more and more distilleries are being built. You hear this word, the term terroir, come up, and um, it, it's a sort of. It, the, the word is a sense about place, uh, and it describes the soil, the air, you know, the, the um, environment we're in. And we've chosen a, a part of Tasmania which is almost identical to parts of Scotland in terms of uh, rainfall, humidity. Um, thankfully, we get more sunlight, more days of sunlight. So it's actually, despite the fact that we get a lot of rainfall and it typically is colder. It's, it's still a pleasant place to be. Yeah, for sure. Now, we've, we've known about McHenry Distillery for a little while. Um, that certainly one of the, the founders of the Tasmanian whiskey scene, well, maybe the, the second wave, yeah. um, shall we say, but certainly, um, you know, when we started getting into Tasmanian whiskey, uh, McHenry was already up and running. And um, the only thing is, we haven't seen too much whiskey released so far. There's been the occasional bottle, but why, why is that? Why haven't we? Uh, seen an abundance of McHenry on the market. We're hiding it. Yeah. <laughs> Just for me. Yeah. No. Um, look, it, it's because of our sort of, essentially our distillery philosophy is just like we've, we've placed ourselves in, a, in a, an environment that replicates Scotland, you know, the cool, damp conditions. Um, we're also trying to create whiskies, which also are, which are similar in terms to, to the provenance of Scottish whiskies in terms of age. So, I, I've come from a, a, a position where, you know, typically, and at, at the best whiskies are, you know, 10 years plus. You know, the sweet spot for whiskey is somewhere between 12 and 18 years. You know, around that 15 year mark is, is normally the best for um, large form barrels um, and so we're trying to get to that point so we haven't released whiskey yeah we, we look we do release a little bit so we do these sort of progress releases so people can sort of get a feel for the, the flavors that we're producing to you know so sort of be not front of mind but at least be in there in terms of people's uh, recognition of, of Australian distilleries but you really won't see us being you know prominent probably for another two or three years until the bulk of our stocks, commercial stocks, have hit at least 10 or 12 year old. Next year we hit 10. Yep. So yeah, that's, uh, big that's, that's sort of when we'll start to talk about age. Year. Yeah. Um, and so what sort of, uh, what size and sort of barrels have you been using currently and what are you sort of looking at going yeah. towards moving forward? So it's interesting because distilleries often talk about their, you know, their barrel program and so forth. Look, the reality is often uh, sourcing barrels can be hard and expensive. So you, we certainly jump at opportunities. Um, so that largely dictates our barrel program. Yeah. So we just landed a hundred French oak brandy slash port barrels. You know, it was an opportunistic buy. So you know, in our in our inventory, we'll have a lot of French oak now. I would like to try and get our mix about 50-50 between American oak and French oak. Um, that's a sort of a, an objective, but it, you know, um, last week I was contacted by some, you know, some distilleries in America about purchasing American barrels. Because we have to ship them by container load, we might find the pendulum shifts towards American oak for a short while while we're dealing with you know, a, an importation of American oak. So it just, it oscillates around a little yeah. bit. Yeah, uh, and um, I guess once you do have enough barrels that have reached an age that you're happy with, then you can start start vatting them, start um, yeah. marrying them yeah. to, to really dictate what the McHenry yeah. character sort of is going to be. Flavor, yeah, the distillery profile. I think we'll also, we're also starting to try and source some some big sort of, some vatting, uh, some vats. Yeah. Um, we did, we did, unfortunately because of COVID, we just didn't have the cash flow. And we turned down a couple of big sort of 10 and 20,000 litre vats. 
um, out of Angobes in the Barossa. Um, but what we'll start to probably do with those is, is not just vat them, so essentially do a, a blending of barrels, but to actually put them into a Solera style batting. So, you know, you, you add 10, remove 10 sort of yep. thing. So you've always got a sort of a, a mix of, of whiskey, you know, between, you know, last year's, or, you know, a 10 year release and a 12 year release and, you know, We'll start to do a few things like that because what what we what we're ultimately looking for is consistency. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, as we get to a point where we're not just boutique artisan, where we're more of a commercial um, distillery producing you know reasonable volumes in the market, we've got to come up with a consistent product. Yeah, and so you were using 100 litres, but you're looking yeah. moving towards 200s. Yeah, we haven't yeah. filled 100 litre barrels for probably three or four years. Yeah. yeah. So the 100 litres typically are a sort of a stepping stone. You know, it allows you to, it allows you to sort of accelerate the wood impact on spirit. Um, I think it's a little bit a misnomer to say it accelerates the ageing because ageing is more complex than just wood. It is about oxidation that goes on. It's about evaporation that happens. We did do uh, some 100 litres, but the intention was really just to keep the distillery viable, yeah. release a little bit of whiskey and um, push through to get us to that 10, 12-year-old. So I, I'd just like to say thank you very much for, um, for being interviewed on our podcast. I'm sure our listeners will be yeah, really fascinated to hear your voice. Um, so thanks very much for that. Hey, you're welcome. And look, we, we always invite people to come down and see mm. the place. It's, it's one thing hearing about it, but yeah. I think it's different. And you guys have experienced it. You stayed in the Bothy. Yeah. You know, we had a storm raging last <laughs> night. We had a lovely fire going. We had some slow cooked meat. You know. Well, that's certainly what I was going to mention is that, you know, the, the, the product might be in more and more shelves in a few years' time, but really to experience McHenry yeah. with Distillery properly, you have to come. Come to the property. Look at look at the incredible view from the top of the mountain. Mm. Yeah, and experience a little slice of Scotland here in Tasmania. Yeah, that's it. Mm. Thanks, Thanks very much. Thanks, Waffles. Cheers. I will do my best to edit an outro out of this nonsense. <laughs> you know, it's the end of the night when the ovarium comes out. It's a dead ovarium. It is now. Ovarium sherry, forty three percent, is gone. Mama just killed a dram. <laughs> Even more dead now because yeah, I slopped it on himself. <laughs> Gosh, heathen that I am. You Lovely nose. messy, messy boy. It's a funny thing with our Overeem. Ted and I used to actually be able to readily access Overeem because it was mm. available at our local um, in town, and our, our favourite bartender stocked the port cask and the sherry cask. And um, we were always differing as to which one we go for. Mm. The Sherry the port. I always used to pump for the port. Ted always used to pump for the sherry, but it was only the 43% one. Mm. I feel um, these days we both probably absolutely covet the cask strength port. Yeah. That shit is incredible. I've got a bottle. Mm. But you know what else is uh, incredible? Last last time we were, we were um, on our um, annual whiskey tour, we stopped off. Well, we, we actually we went to visit... Um, White Label and by extension Brett Steele at Spirit Thief mm. who got us well particularly me because mm-hmm. my colleague had to drive for yep. him next uh, time yes got got quite squiffy and then we w- then we went to visit um, Jane and Mark next door at uh, Overeem that which was newly again. newly very very newly properly Overeem true not um, Sawford and yeah on, on a very sort of drunken spur of the moment but Drunk Ted knew what he was doing. Yeah, just went. Yeah, Jane, give me one of those uh, port casks. I'll just yeah take that one. Thanks. Yeah, which one is that? The cast strength. Oh yeah, okay, sure. Mm. Yeah, it was a good decision. Don't regret it. Yeah, but have you opened it yet? No, no. <laughs> it's it's sitting there. It's ready to go. But this is not it. This is the sherry, which was always your favourite, Ted. I, I still do say, like it. I'm enjoying it. I I think that this is like drinking a favourite teddy bear. But Ted, you're my favourite teddy bear. <laughs> it's comforting, mm. and it's got this sort of warm, fuzzy teddy bear flavour to it. I can't describe it anything else. It reminds me of what it's like to fall in love with Tasmanian whiskey. Actually, it's like it's like smelling the shampoo of a long lost ex. 
Ooh. Yeah, the the those deep cutting memories. Mm. But it's I don't know. I I haven't I haven't found this nose for a long time, so mm. Uh, yes, that that is the ovarium that we are currently drinking, and you are not, and yeah. never will because it's gone. It's gone. It's it's really hard to know what you're getting when you order a single cask whiskey. Like, if you can try it and then order a bottle of that, absolutely. But I don't know. It's we've just found we found some magic in a glass just for a brief moment, and it it's fleeting. It's ephemeral. It will slip through our fingers, and then it'll be gone. It's real good though. Anyway, we were intro- we were extroing. We were yeah, we doing were saying conclusion. goodbye. We're saying farewell. So here we sit with our glass of Overeem. Thank you for listening this far. Does anyone listen this far? I hope so. Look, well, if you, you do. If yeah. you do. If you do. Yeah, then, then, then tell us the code word and we'll give you a, a discount on... Um, we'll think of something to give you a discount on. The code word is... Soporific. That's what, it, that, that's what it's like listening this far into the podcast. <laughs> Well, it has been wonderful waffling at you. Mm. Waffling with you. I like to think Waffling so. to you. Yeah. Waffling alongside you. You'll never waffle alone. Indeed. <laughs> nah, wafflers forever. Wafflers out! Wafflers out. And um, all we can really say is um, keep on waffling. And support the Patreon. Yes. And good night. Whiskey Waffle recommends you drink whiskey responsibly and only if you're above the legal drinking age in your country. Our lawyers made us say that. Or at least, they would have if we actually had lawyers. It works on the basis of science. Whoa. Yes. That um, was terrible, but... <laughs> it's because... It's because... <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. My it's voice be- cracked. <laughs> um, and that's because of science.